you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Around the NFL podcast has surprisingly strong hip-hop knowledge. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. Another show. Midweek show. Always a fun show. I always like the shows when Mark's been the one that came in at 4.45 in the morning because there's just a little extra edge to his facial expressions at all times. You know, I am... If anybody just heard me sneeze, I apologize. <laughs> what, what were you saying about Mark? Oh, he's exhausted. Yeah, you can see it. Listen, I think we've all done that shift, and uh, it is what it is. It is borders no, but, on non-human. But also, even if you're not tired, you're, you wear your emotions on your face. I am you emotionally know what I mean? not in a good and I'm on the sleeve, emotions on the face. <laughs> I've, got, I've got the perfect seat for it, so I just... You know, sit back and enjoy the show. There is a positive <laughs> aspect is that yesterday I met one of the Earth's newest heroes for the second time, Jack Hansis. Woo! Right. We got some legitimate – I got to hold him for about yeah. 25 well, minutes. You're not to... the only one that's exhausted, by the way. I understand that entirely. Yeah. yeah. I, I came home not feeling well, and immediately my wife says to me, not even hello. She says, take him. I need to go take a shower. She was hit the hit. She's in the zone that mothers get when they're stuck at home during mater, maternity leave, where the husband is not a human figure. He's just a replacement that gives her a little break. I'm sure she's thrilled that you just revealed that she doesn't take a shower till late in the afternoon. Listen, I, I think she understands. <laughs> now you're going to get me in trouble. I, I... <laughs> Total honesty from. But anyway, so Mark got to see my uh, my son crying for a couple hours. That was good. He was a delight. Yeah, uh, big show by the way. Big show. Because how often, and I think you could count it on maybe one finger, how many Hall of Famers or potential mm. future Hall of Famers have we had on the Around the NFL podcast? Jim Brown was on the old ATL Debate Club. Interesting. Talked to Richard Sherman once. Richard Sherman he once. Brandon Marshall. Mind. Brandon Marshall, I'm, potentially. I'm guessing Greg Hardy's probably not going to make the Hall of Fame. He's going to just miss the at cut. At this point, we had him on. Yeah. But that's less than a handful, so you're, you're Kurt accurate. Warner, one of the great quarterbacks of his era, will be on via phone. Uh, with us a little later in today's show. So that'll be fun. We'll talk, do some quarterback talk, which makes sense. I was lobbying to do some guard talk with Kurt Warner, <laughs> and Greg said, no, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, said, stop okay. being so Thanks, boss, air quotes. Yeah, it's just, come on, whatever. Think outside the box. Also, I, that conversation never Speaking happened. Speaking of looks that... Might kill. Greg is looking at you as if you will not have a job 12, 15 minutes from now. <laughs> Whatever. We also have the Thursday night preview, a big NFC East showdown on Thursday night between the Giants and Redskins, two teams that uh, could use a victory. So we'll get into that game. Uh, but before any of that, TD, how you doing behind the glass? What's going on, fellas? How you guys doing? Doing well. 
Doing well. We got cameras on in here. Is that true? Let people know this. This will be the first episode where we do have video of the around the NFL. Better or worse? That's up to you. Mm. That's good. Viewers, I think people will like that. Yeah, a little bit scary for the viewer. The the lighting system is getting more and more abrasive each time we come in here. Now they're giant mini square suns staring at us from all directions. I'm seeing spots right now. But that's yeah. part of the business. It's magic of TV, guys. Yeah. This, this is why I was brought here to... No makeup, though. Happen. This is all natural. No makeup. All, all natural. natural. <laughs> Greg went with the blazer of just showing us all <laughs> I up. I still had it on from earlier, and now I regret it. <laughs> all right. All right, let's do some news. What the hell's going on out here? <laughs> and, of course, that's you guys' response when I tell you guys we're doing video. Ah, <laughs> well... And was that a notable character that made that quote? Someone that was, you know, of worth in their career? What the hell's going on out here? I think so. Our complaints are valid. I wonder what percentage of our listenership knows who that is. Oh, you got to know who that is. For a second, I was thinking about it. I was like, was that Hank Stram? But then I remember. I wouldn't admit if you didn't. Okay. (laughs) That was Bill Parcells, obviously. (laughs) No, no, no. no. It was uh, Ray Handler. His replacement. Uh, of course, Mr. Lombardi, Vincent Lombardi of the Packers. Here we go. Some Joe, news. Joe's granddad, as he's better known now. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, here's some news. And it, it we'll start in Miami because there's something, a nice little soap opera brewing if you're a fan of an AFC East team especially. You love to see when things start to go to <laughs> hell in Miami, and that's what's happening. Ryan Tannehill has not played well to start the season. Uh, three straight subpar games uh, leading to Dolphins coach Joe Philman each of the last three days in his engagement with the media to not name a quarterback. He did it again on Wednesday. And then minutes later, Ryan Tannehill steps to the podium and tells the uh, entire world that he is the starter. Uh, He had this to say about the situation in which he feels Joe Feldman, his coach, has created distraction. You ask me if I have a God complex? Let me tell you something. I am God. (laughs) That is not. No, that was Alec Baldwin and Malice. This is what he said. Obviously, it doesn't feel good. You know, it creates a bunch of stir and, um, you know, a bunch of distraction in the locker room, uh, mostly from the outside coming in and then just guys having to deal with uh, the distraction of it. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not a good feeling, but he's been clear with me and, um, you know, I know where I stand. So to me, gentlemen, and I'm really curious what you think, I think Joe Feldman took one more step towards the uh, proverbial coaching grave uh, because now he puts himself in a situation where it just looks bad that he was not up front with uh, the media saying his plans to the point Tannehill was so frustrated that he essentially threw his own coach under the bus and said, I am starting whether he let you know or not. Is that the right way to read into this? Your NFL head coach is going to act like Hamlet. Sometimes you have to take control of the situation. It's bizarre. Make a decision. It's bizarre. It was really surprising on Monday when – Philbin made it clear that he was going to go this route and make everyone wonder who was starting, but he didn't really let his quarterbacks in on the media plan because Matt Moore, the backup quarterback, the well-paid backup quarterback, also said he has taken no additional first-team reps this week whatsoever. It is a gross time for Dolphins fans. Coming off of the last year's (laughs) ugliness from wire to wire, we don't need to rehash that. Philbin, of all people, needed to be the clearest voice in the room week after week. He's done the opposite. Handsome Hank, Henry Hodgson, the Dave, Dave Damashek personality at this point. He also <laughs> does something on our website. He told me that at this point... Hank will enjoy that. Well, what he's scary. doing is he simply roam. He's a do- longtime Dolphins fan from Britain. He just roams Rocky. around in and his vehicle. he's there this week. He's in England this week. He roams around in his vehicle listening to Take That... Breakoff star Robbie Williams <laughs> singing his pop ballads. That's the only way he gets <laughs> out of his funk. <laughs> Wait, what's <laughs> happening right now? Let's get back on the path, Mark. What, are you, what? what was your, your point as it that, started? That, do- <laughs> <laughs> that Dolphins fans have been put into a state of total wandering. Oh, okay. okay that is tonic. even worse than last year. You connected it. Very there, nicely done. There is something unifying the Dolphins ever since. I'm just going to go back to when Stephen Ross took over. This has been one of the top three or four most dysfunctional franchises in the league. There is always drama. There is always competing agendas. There's always a new GM and an old coach or a new coach and an old GM. And now there's a new offensive coordinator. 
one guy might like Tannehill. One may not. I, I think there might be a, a schism within the coaches, within the general manager, the ownership, and everyone's got different agendas. It's, it's, it's one of the most embarrassing franchises in the league right now. And it, they're playing the Raiders. It's a winnable game in London. If they lose that game or they continue to struggle over the next couple of weeks. Contract them. <laughs> that's an Stop. option. But honestly, Philbin sets him up for himself up now where he'll be uh, the blame will be pinned on him even more because it will be seen as him dividing the locker room unnecessarily. Just a bad situation that the coach created. Can't we'll see smarter. if he gets back on the plane. He may just shift seamlessly into an IBM London job. Perhaps. <laughs> that's, he kind of has the look. On the other hand, all they have to do is beat the Raiders. They're 2-2 two and two heading into the bye week, and it's like that's exactly what you would have expected the Dolphins to be in a best-case scenario, and, and maybe they reset. They do have some things going for them. Lamar Miller, how about that? That's fair. He's playing well. Um, All right, moving on to Green Bay, a team, the Packers, another team that's struggling right now. Aaron Rodgers came out and said on Tuesday that things aren't quite as bad as he said, as people might think. Uh, He actually said, here's a quote, five letters, R-E-L-A-X, relax. We're going to be fine. Chris, Mr. Wessling, I'll ask you this question. Are the Packers going to be fine? Sure. Why is that? Why wouldn't they? We know their personnel. We know their coach. We know their quarterback. They have one of the best running backs in the league. Their offensive line should be much better with Balaga coming back. I think you can look at last week as just an aberration. That's an outlier. And you brought up the running back, so I'll, I'll mention this. Eddie Lacy has played terribly. Uh, had a bad game last week where he lost the fumble return for a touchdown, tackled in the end zone for safety. That wasn't really his fault. But he is averaging 3.1 yards per carry. And Mike McCarthy, another uh, – guy it's a lot of fun and you could see working at ibm mark uh came out and said to the media eddie needs to play better so a little bit of a motivational tactic i thought by the coach on a running back that yes should be one of the best players in the league when i watched this game on game rewind i saw the play where i'm like oh that must have made mccarthy mad he looked like eddie lacy to me the whole game he exploded through the middle on a few carries and there was a really important play in the red zone late in the game where lacy could have gone up the gut and he tried to go outside and immediately got swallowed up. He just read it wrong, and you could tell that's what that's what had McCarthy upset. I mean, he also had the safety and a fumble. That must have upset McCarthy, too. I'd worry about this team if it was new quarterback, new coach, new kind of everything, trying to figure themselves out. Not totally different than Miami, but when you look at Green Bay, McCarthy's been there forever. We know who Aaron Rodgers is. It, they're not gonna, this ain't going to last. You know, I think they're going to roll into Chicago a very angry team. They got to win this game, though. They do. They they lose it, and they're in a real hole in that division behind Chicago and Detroit. The difference between this slow start and some of their other slow moments uh, in the McCarthy Rogers era is that the offense has genuinely struggled during all those times when they were losing games. It wasn't because of the offense. For the first three games, for whatever it's worth, they're one of the worst six or seven offenses in the league, and they've had a very tough schedule. So that's part of it. Two good quarters on offense, I'd say, in the second half of that Jets right. game. And the one one thing I'll say, if you want to be a little more alarmed, is Mike Mayock did a great job with it. And I think it's called his Eye in the Sky segment on NFL Network. Creepy. Um, Talk t- about a God complex. <laughs> <laughs> took, seriously. <laughs> took a look at the film and, and saw that the Lions played almost exclusively four-man fronts, which really was inviting a nice game from Lacey. They were concentrating on stopping the pass, and the, cow- and the Lions got the best of both worlds where they were able to stuff the, the run. And they obviously have a great defensive line, but uh, Lacey was not able to take advantage of the situation, which was no eight men in the box looks. Now, I think Chicago is a team that won't be able to attack them that way. If the if offense doesn't put up 27 points against Chicago, then you can be worried. That's fair. Moving forward. Mo Claiborne, the Dallas Cowboys cornerback who Dallas traded up for to grab, I believe, in the 2012 draft, the sixth overall pick, uh, had a really bad game against the Rams. I think he sealed that game with an interception, but that did not mask that he did not play well. Uh, Tuesday, Jerry Jones had his radio show, kind of called out Claiborne, saying he really wasn't worth that investment to this point. And then Claiborne learns he's benched. He's not the starter. And then he reacts, according to NFL Media Insider Ian Rappaport, he picked up all his things, walked out of the Cowboys facility, this after learning he wasn't the starter, and he skipped the Cowboys walkthrough practice. He reported back to camp today, and you know everything's trying to be put back together, but that's kind of an embarrassing, ugly situation there. Reminds me of the time I told Sessler he couldn't cover Sunday night football 
and he just stormed out of the office and diva. That is not, up, that is totally fictional. <laughs> I have never stormed out of this workplace. Picked up his laptop. I have laptop. done it in my past. The thing about cleaning out his locker, that's the part that yesterday when I first wrote this article, I was like, what does he think's going to happen here? He really thinks does he thinks he's quitting the team? Like what what's he going to do? It's funny that Jerry said that about not working out like they planned or hasn't been as valuable. The Cowboys rated this guy higher than any cornerback since Deion Sanders when he was coming out of the draft. Oh, my God. They weren't alone to rate him that high. That might cost the general man. Oh, no way. Yeah, it's <laughs> not going to happen. Matter. Well, they pointed out today on Twitter, and I, and I don't like when this happens because this isn't necessarily what the Cowboys would have done, but the picks they gave up turned into Michael Brockers and Alshon Jeffrey. <laughs> that's yeah, that's tough. But we, I don't tr- I don't trust Dallas to hit on two draft picks like that. Had they had those picks, I I know everyone. It's easy to rip on uh, Claiborne for this. I kind of like the fact that he was this disappointed to lose his job, and he showed it. He wow. he could have also just said, you know what? Yeah, I'll accept it, and I'm fine not being you know, a, been top a professional player. about it. Well, it's not Quitters professional. Unite. But by the way, this guy's See, like Mark, Mark, Mark is in, in bed with all the quitters. No, I think I never quit a job. I have quit him in the past. I worked for a, a mall one time on a on a temporary job, and I basically had my friend. He drove me to this job every day. We lived in like some farmhouse, and I one night at two in the morning, I said I'm not going back there because it was unpacking furniture uh, out of a box. Mm. I just wrote a typewritten note, fictional story, said that I'd moved to Los Angeles with some woman I had met. Not true at all. Gave it to the woman. My job was over. She's that, like, that sounds like wow. a wonderful tale. I, was this a commune? That was a farmhouse. I <laughs> once quit on the first day of work. At like a, and I just realized this is this is not for me. Putting together clips I, for some sports show. Or, oh. well, at least that was something and then within I moved the out realm of, of your world. Yeah. But I remember I worked a job in college <laughs> as a telemarketer. Uh, trying to sell security systems to senile people over the phone, whoever would pick up the phone. After one day, I realized it was the worst thing you could ever do in your life. <laughs> but So I never went back, never told them I was going back. And then uh, I still went two weeks later to pick up my paycheck for about $21. <laughs> and the lady was like, what? I was like, yeah, pay me. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. I delivered an ice truck. Well, I delivered ice in a truck for a weekend, and I never came back to that job. So we're all quitters. So Mo Claiborne. It's called being in your 20s, and that's where he right. is. All right. He's also a multimillionaire. Anyway, anything else on this? The funny thing is he'll still be on the field 60% of the time instead of 90. Like, it's not that big right. of a difference. They, If it was another team, they would probably bench him because of him being a jerk or whatever, but it's the Cowboys. They're not going to admit a mistake, and they don't have anyone in their secondary. How about your owner doesn't call people out on a radio show on a week-to-week basis? <laughs> be careful, Mark. I was once uh, a salesman for. Uh, I was once a salesman for Ultimate Frisbee jerseys, and Where I just that, that great. sells itself. <laughs> I just stopped. I just stopped doing it. I just stopped making calls. It's not, too, it's not too late to get back in that field. <laughs> too late. Uh, all right, moving forward. So, the New York Jets went down in flames on Monday night. Stunner. Uh, Geno Smith did not play well. He was a major reason why they lost with some pretty bad mistakes, two bad throws on Tuesday. Rex Ryan after the game. Immediately after the game, Ryan, you know, was candid and said Gino has to play better. But then he shot down any idea on Tuesday that the Jets could go in a different direction. Uh, Rex is, quote, guys, this ain't the same quarterback as he was at the beginning of last year. Did he make a mistake? Absolutely. Uh, blah, 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 and so forth. So Rex is behind Geno Smith at this time. I think everyone in this room were, were kind of behind Geno Smith as someone that was going in the right direction uh, heading into Monday. What do we feel about about him after he kind of reverted back to the Geno coaster on I Monday against? Couldn't Harris? agree more with Rex. I I think he has made progress. He's obviously not the same guy he was when he was struggling as a rookie. This is a this is a guy they've got 400 yards of total offense in two of the first three games. Do you know how many times total they've had 400 yards of offense in the last three years before that? Five. They're moving the ball. He's going to make some Six mistakes, times. but he's playing better than Eli Manning or Alex Smith did as young young players. Six times in the red zone for the Jets against the Bears. One touchdown. And if you want to throw some defense for Geno Smith, Eric Decker did not last in that game. Went out after uh, one catch. And he was throwing to the likes of Greg Salas. And, you know, Jeremy Curley's a decent player. And Baby Gronk, Zach Sudfeld. These are the type <laughs> of guys Gronk. that Geno Smith has to try to compete Cumbie. with. And it's not easy. 
come be. Well, you the, know, the, that's a start. The worrisome thing about Geno Smith is all three of his games have been the same. I don't think this game was any worse. Each game, oh, he's he's shown those flashes. He's looked like a, a very promising quarterback most of the game, and he's made three absolutely killer mistakes. The only difference in week one is they were playing the Raiders, so it didn't matter. And by the way, guys, I just want to say welcome to my world. Yeah, we As, all we all picked the Jets on Monday night. What a bunch I, of I don't I don't like inviting you into the world of being a Jets fan, but you got to see when you were pulling for a team, especially Greg, who's been in the lap of luxury for over a decade now with the Patriots. When you need the Jets to win, not only do they lose, they figure out the most original and frustrating ways to lose possible. They should have won that game, and they just would not take the gift from the Bears. But you know, Ryan, who's dealt with an enormous amount of quarterback chaos over the years. I like him sticking with, with Geno right. Smith. Oh, it's the right move. Well, part of it, I think, is they don't trust in Michael Vick. I don't think he showed them, by all accounts, much in the preseason or in training camp, and I don't know if they feel like he's that great of an and option. And there's no long-term plan attached to Vick. You know, Mike Francesa, our WAFAN guy that we listened yeah. to since we were children, he's got this theory when we were, oh, I was over at Dan's so. yesterday that, that what they should do is as soon as Geno begins to struggle, say second, third quarter – Bring in Vic as a relief pitcher for the rest of the game. And then Awful bring back Gino idea. the next week. Yeah, they're, like that wouldn't invite controversy. Gino's got to be the guy until he proves uh, definitely that he can't be the guy, and then you turn to mm. Vic. They're in too deep at this point with him. Could be worse. Look to the north and west a little bit, and they're trying to hide their quarterback in Buffalo. At least the Jets are letting Nurse play. Right. That's true. You guys got to give up on the whole Francesa thing. I mean, Mike and the Mad Dog was fun, but that – that ship has sailed. That was like woven into every Past afternoon of our By youth. By the way, I don't need some guy from Massachusetts telling me about hey. Mike Francesa. You go to Dennis and Callie in the morning or whatever that was. I, that was, that that was terrible. I love Mike and the Mad Dog. Are you kidding me? I'm just saying it's not quite the same hearing Francesa talk to himself for four hours. What a, <laughs> Perhaps. What a blowhard. Perhaps. I don't think we should be calling anyone blowhards, though. So. Uh, moving forward. Uh, what Jeff- about Joe Theismann? We definitely don't. We got shadowy league (laughs) figures all up in here right now. Uh, The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be without offensive coordinator Jeff Tedford for the foreseeable future. Uh, The team announced that the coordinator is taking an indefinite leave on Tuesday. It's a medical condition that has not improved. uh, That according to Rap Sheet, I think on Wednesday we received word that the team is not even anticipating uh, Tedford returning at all this year. So this for a season that's already kind of going off the rails in Tampa. Now you're without your offensive coordinator, which cannot be an easy situation to navigate through in the middle of a season. Can you name the Buccaneers offensive coordinator now? That's oh, their quarterback coach. Arroyo plays Arroyo. Yeah. There is a high octane contraption available to anyone who can tell me what Marcus Arroyo was doing at this time last year. He was Cal's tight ends coach or position coach Close. at Cal. He was a softball team manager <laughs> slash catcher. He was running the teams. offense at Southern Miss. He worked at a mall. No. That's close. 34 years old. He would be the youngest guy in this room. So he once coached up uh, Austin I'm Davis. 34. No, he came last mm. year after Austin Davis. Or he cannot take credit for Austin Davis's prowess. Well, the Bucks, and he has to break in a new quarterback. Mike Glennon, Lovey Smith announced. Is there's a good chance he'll be the starter this week. We've already reported that on the website. So there's so many things in place there. And you wonder if this this Tedford experiment, I remember we talked about in the offseason, he was one of the biggest X factors in the league because you had no idea if he could be the next Chip Kelly or if it was going to be a disaster. And you hate to think it's going to be because of a health reason, but you wonder if he's even ever going to coach in the NFL again. Moving forward, Le'Veon Bell has been very impressive for the Pittsburgh Steelers this season and had an amazing game on Sunday night, including a 81-yard run uh, in the win over the Panthers. LaDainian Tomlinson, another friend of the show, not really, but he works for NFL Media. So he maybe has no some idea level, this production even exists. Maybe we're friends. He was on Move the Sticks last week, though, just saying. Oh, what wow. I say about Move the Sticks. <laughs> I don't know. An enemy of the state. I don't know. Maybe Tomlinson was listening to our podcast and all our talk about Lavian Bell, and he <sighs> swiped it. That's credible. All right. This was the quote from Ladanian Tomlinson, an enemy of the show, about <laughs> Le'Veon Bell. Let me just say this. Right now, I would take Le'Veon Bell over any running back in the league. He can do it all, people. He can run inside, but he has the speed to turn the corner. He can catch the football. He's versatile. He's athletic. I love Le'Veon Bell. All right, so Tomlinson, one of the great running backs in the history of football, is thinks Le'Veon Bell is now better than 
everyone else, including LaShawn McCoy and Matt Forte and uh, God forbid we bring his name up, Adrian Peterson. No one else now approaches Le'Veon Bell. Jim Brown. Well, he said in the NFL right now. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I don't think that's crazy. I don't think it's crazy at all. I mean, we talked about it last week that we thought he was a top five running back right now. This is putting him at the top of that list. He's better than LaShawn McCoy right now? He's playing better than he him through lo- three games. That's, oh, does that mean you want him for the next 13 over I, LaShawn McCoy? I think you can just see – running backs are easier. You can just see, yes, I think They're he's like, right there. I don't know if he's better than LaShawn better McCoy. Than DeMar- if you want to talk about early season production, better than DeMarco Murray right now. Murray's been amazing. Bell's Mark- a much much better receiver than Murray. He has durability on his side, and I think he can break long runs better than Murray. Better can. than Chris Johnson? Yes. Definitely yeah. better. Bell looks Johnson. better than he did last season, too. He looks like a very different player from where he was a year ago. He's about 15 pounds lighter, it looks like. And healthy. And he was a guy who I thought looked a lot better than his numbers showed last year. I think that was partly the offensive line. I don't know what it was. I mean, you, you watched him, and he popped off the tape. And then this year, it's a whole other thing. No, I would take Shady over him. But he, I, To your point, right though, now. I think NFL running backs are like Major League Baseball pitchers. Right. You kind of have to just take the one that's playing well right now because mm. arms are so wonky that you never know who's going to be playing well. And running backs take too many hits mm. to the point where if they're a little gimpy, they're not going to be playing well. Everything has to kind of go together with that offensive line and play calling, too. Well, and also it helps, to Part of it's the scheme. They're on a team where with Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger, you have to respect the pass big time with Marcus Wheaton, too. It's not a stack-the-box play-after-play and shut-down bell. And that's what's happening in the news, in the NFL. That was fun. How happy is Damashek right now for making that week one Le'Veon Bell, Lashawn McCoy comparison? Well, it's not really a good comparison. Well, it's but not, but especially with Bell <laughs> playing the way he has. He's not too happy after he just heard Wes's reply to that. Come on, player. What's that? What's up with that? <laughs> Look, I love Dave Damashek, but that comparison is goofy. I agree. And I'll make sure I tell Dave that you made a point to bring that up. To oh, take shots no, I, at him. I, I, we let him know on the podcast as soon as you butt it up. <laughs> it's really the theme of this podcast, taking out other NFL employees. Yeah, who else? Starting up Who's, who's next? Uh, all right, moving forward. Gentlemen. Where are you at, Brian Billick? <laughs> Coach's podcast. <laughs> Give me a break. Barely exists. That's Greg Rosenthal, seat 12B, pod farm, <laughs> first floor. Uh, all right, Thursday night football, gentlemen. This is a uh, – if you like the NFC East, you should like this game. This is the New York Giants – Against the Washington Redskins, a battle of two one-and-two teams. Uh, this game will uh, be played in Washington, so I think the Redskins will probably be favored uh, amongst the around the NFL group, especially coming off a dynamic offensive performance against the Eagles last week. But the Giants play a lot better against the Texans, and Eli has looked pretty good the last two weeks. How do we see this one? I think the Redskins should be favored. I think they're the better team. They outplayed the Eagles last week. They lost because special teams, which they've been losing for a couple of years now through different coaching staffs, and they had over 100 yards in penalties by halftime. They really shot themselves in the foot. They moved the ball up and down the field whenever they wanted, except for the last drive of the game. With these Thursday night games, I really struggle to look at it the way I would a matchup on Sunday or Monday night. Some of the weirdest stuff we've seen has come on Thursday nights, and it, it heavily, in my opinion, favors the home team. They've just got an easier week to navigate. This game would be considered an absolute stinker had the Giants not pulled out a recent win. And Dan loves the NFC East with all his heart, and he now has an interesting matchup to watch. I, yeah, I hate to admit it. I usually am tired of the NFC East, and specifically these two teams on national TV. And I think these two teams... Both have a chance to be a little friskier and watch more watchable than we expected. The Giants played very well last week. I mean, they stomped on the Texans. It was a complete performance. And the Redskins have been a lot of fun to watch since Kirk Cousins been there. Put up 45 points and put up 511 yards. Their defense has been better. They're very banged up, though, for this game. They lost a lot of people last week, including... D'Angelo Hall and potentially Jason Hatcher for this game. He's going to be a game-time decision. And I know Kirk Cousins played tremendously well on Sunday, but maybe the hype train, we could pump the brakes a little bit. People are basically almost assuming that Cousins is now the guy forever in Washington. But now that I said that, let me throw this out. Who's assuming that? People in society, (laughs) Greg, all around the world are saying Kirk Cousins is the greatest quarterback ever. Let me just throw something out to you just for fun. 
Let's say Cousins is the real deal, and the hype train is justified. This is fun. How about <laughs> this? Get ready. Robert Griffin III, St. Louis Rams for a first-round pick. Who says no? The Rams. You want to put, you want to put Robert Griffin in the offense of yes. Brian Schottenheimer. Well, no, Schottenheimer would get fired after the season. In this scenario. Uh, the Rams would never be able to swallow their pride enough to do it because they passed on Griffin so many times in the draft. It just would be like admitting a mistake, and you never see teams do that. Why would you go from one quarterback who can't stay healthy to another quarterback who can't stay healthy? Well, I thought I might have had you on this, Wes, because you were all in on RG3. Are you now saying after this ankle injury, he's done? No, but I, I'm i not saying that, but I, the Rams would be the the last team I would trade him to. How about the Giants when Eli Manning's off the team next year? <laughs> I'm seeing Eli 65 Giants of all of a sudden become watchable 65 of 100 65% What was the uh... Actually he's had 70% Two weeks in a row I think oh, Eli's pretty, uh, pretty Eli statistically Is on the upswing He has a higher completion Percentage than Aaron Rodgers Right now He also has the lowest Passer rating Of any quarterback On throws Over 10 or 20 yards But that's for... because In that offense They rarely That's not a big right. part Of their offense To me that's a problem When you have a guy Who's good at that? Who's a yeah. good vertical thrower? And last week, he really only tried one throw down the field the whole game, and it didn't really work. Are we all picking the Redskins? I'm taking the Thursday. Redskins. I take home teams on Thursday night, barring what looks like a total mismatch, Redskins. You know, I'm always tempted to take the Giants for whatever reason, but uh, I can't take them on the road at this stage. I'm taking the Skins. I don't know if I've ever picked the Giants to win any game, <laughs> and I'm not going to start now. <laughs> Two Super Bowls in the last six years. I thought about it. Boring as all get I, out. It wouldn't surprise me at all. If it was in New York, I would take the Giants. But I think it would be too. a good game. I think it, we could all look bad here. The Giants. Speaking Giants? of which, you, you said, yeah, with the Jet game where we all took the Jets, we have the hero pick. We have the superhero pick, which Patrick pulled off when he had the – what is it called? The Duracell power pick? You have, have your power pick of the week, and then we have hero picks. Hero picks, which you're the means only one in the group. you're the only one that made that pick. Some people have been asking about this, so yeah. it's good to and clarify. If, and w- this is logical. When all of us pick the wrong thing together, it's a zero pick. I know that I'm starting to pick games incorrectly as my head is spinning serving so many corporate masters. <laughs> yeah. So what was the it excuse a, last year, then? It could be arranged for you not to have to serve those masters, I would think, if the wrong person hears this, Mark. Yeah, that 20 seconds it takes to pick your power pick each week and write one sentence. I just want to it's stick to taxing. football. I don't need, why does Duracell need to tell me what I need to do? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> All right, before we get to Kurt Warner, let's do a little Team of ATL talk. Team of ATL. A little update. The nominees are the Cardinals, the Chargers, the Steelers for the West, and Mark, uh, you uh, you went with the Jets. You used your Matthew Mulligan, picked up the Jets, and that's not looking too good anymore, but I appreciate that you went for it. Well, it's about consensus. I would still vote for them, but that ain't happening in this room. Probably not. So let's talk a little bit about it. Uh, Wes, you must be feeling better after Sunday night. Steelers were awfully fun to watch Sunday night. I I would like to bring the Lions into it. Those would be my top two if I was doing a power ranking. Should I explain what the team of ATL is, or do you think people know by now? Well, basically, it's the team that we're putting our whole podcast support behind for the year. Last year it was the Panthers. This year it's undetermined. I don't think we're going to decide it today because it doesn't seem like there's any team we all agree on. Well, yeah, I think the Chiefs, Cardinals, and Steelers are all in the mix. Maybe a mystery team I don't team think the Chiefs in. are in the mix. Chargers. Did I say the Chiefs? Excuse me. I love the Chiefs this year. I think they're going <laughs> to do it. That ain't happening, Dan. You know, all the way. Took down Miami. Uh, Wes, you, you've been a little stubborn about the Cardinals, saying they're not really a team that excites you, but you have something to say. I, if They have a bye week, don't they, coming up? That's right. And then the Broncos? Yeah. If they beat the Broncos, I'm, I'm on board. In Denver. In Denver. That's a tough... Uh... I picked on their defense at the beginning of the year, but they're doing something very interesting. You know how we talked about in the summer that Rob Bryan was coming up with a funky defense, multiple safe, three or four safeties? That's exactly what the Cardinals are doing. Todd Bowles, we were worried about their middle linebackers. Well, well you were. Well, I think most people were worried about we their middle We were voting line. for them back in July. They have Tony Jefferson, who played an awesome game last week. Moving into linebacker, he's a safety on nickel packages, and that's why the 49ers had all those four and five wide sets. Um, 
But Tony Jefferson, they've got three or four safeties playing like that, and it's really made up for the loss of Washington and Dansby. I think they're kind of fun now. Well, welcome to the club. And on, yeah, I like Let's that. Just put them in now. Over. Let's put them in now. I like news. that. I'm um, also I don't, in on the, on the Cardinals. I know this is, guys, your thing, but I have a personal relationship with my boy Patrick Peterson. We yeah. spent all draft week together. See, how come you took all to tell us this? I'm all in. We it didn't have to go through this whole charade. I, they can, I can call up Patrick right now. Hey, and all they have to do is beat the best team in the AFC at one of the hardest places. Oh, wait. I mean, That's I'm with West, by the way. If, if the Cardinals pull that off, uh, I would probably be swayed to go away from the Chargers for sure. Okay, good. Can they ditch their black uniforms? What was up with That's that? That's menacing. Huh. High-level menace. I haven't seen any black Cardinals before. Well, you haven't been out enough, They sir. can do that when the Steelers ditch their black jerseys. The Steelers are bl- – th- that's their team. They're black. Have you ever seen a Cardinal flying around and it was black? <laughs> What's a Steeler anyways? People what is that happening? Make- I don't even know. <laughs> it's a person who makes steel. <laughs> what the hell's going on out here? <laughs> All right. So, okay. So, let's get out of this. So, good. That was a lo- nice little Team of ATL update. And up next, we have a very special guest. I call him a colleague because it's all under the NFL media tree, and I'm sure Kurt feels the same way. He is a NFL Network analyst, a two-time MVP, a Super Bowl winner, recently inducted into the Cardinals' ring of honor. He is none other than Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner, welcome to the Around the NFL podcast. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Where does uh, appearing on the show rank with those other accomplishments I just listed? (laughs) Uh, it's right there. I would probably say it's right underneath those other ones. Uh, okay. But it is right there, you know, kind of pushing pushing those other ones for, for one of my favorites. Appreciate your honesty. You're you're just joined the Ring of Honor in Arizona. Are you having a hard time not thinking about your name coming up for enshrinement in Canton later this year? Uh, you know, obviously uh, with the list, the nomination list coming out last week, um, you know, with all the things that, that have transpired, you know, there's a lot of talk about it, obviously. And it's exciting. I mean, it's a, it's a fun time for me. Uh, you know, the Ring of Honor in Arizona was a special night to, to be there with my family and enjoy that and, um, you know, see just kind of, you know, to some degree, what you meant to the organization. Um, you know, the Hall of Fame. Obviously, all of us that played would love to go down as one of the best to ever play the game. And... You know, that's what the Hall of Fame signifies. And so it's special for me, it's exciting for me to be on that list, to be even considered for that. Um, you know, if you'd have told anybody that, hey, it's going to be this guy that starts his first game when he's 28 years old, and when it's all said and done, we'll, we'll be talking about him as a possible Hall of Famer, um, I'd have taken that in a heartbeat. And so, you know, nobody knows how this thing plays out, but it's exciting for me to, to really enjoy the process and enjoy the possibilities, and um, and we'll just take it as it comes. Because for me, everything that happens from this point uh, continues to be icing on the cake after the career I was able to uh, to play out. I'm just curious, Kurt, because you did retire after, at kind of the height of your powers or, or after a real rejuvenation period of your career. When you were deciding to leave the game, did it cross your mind at all, the Hall of Fame, and, and how close you might be to it, and, and whether you want to stick around to maybe enhance your chances of getting into Canton? No, you know, that, that never really played into it. You know, my decision to retire um, was more mental fatigue and expectations and just how much um, those last few years in Arizona took out of me. And I felt like it was just taking more than I wanted to give. And, you know, physically I felt great. Physically I felt like I could play as well as I ever had. I mean, it was it was fun for me in my last home game in Arizona to have played one of the greatest games that I played in my career. And so it was fun to, to leave on a high note from a playing standpoint. But it was just, it was just taking too much from me. You know, the, the last Super Bowl year, uh, I weighed in at Super Bowl week at around 200 pounds, whereas normally I paid, played at about 220. And so that was just a, an indication of how much the game and the pressure and the stress of the situation was taken from me. And I just felt, you know, it was time that I was – you know, so content and happy with my career and to have um, come to Arizona and not only get back to the level and play the level that I knew that I could, but I think more importantly, help an organization to change their perspective and change their goals and the standard within that building. 
And those two things I, were kind of crowning moments uh, on my career to say, hey, you know, I, I didn't get to come in on my own terms, but I get to leave on my own terms, and I get to leave at the top of my game, and that's how I always wanted it. And I never knew how it was going to play out or how I would know, uh, but I knew. I knew it was the right time, and, you know, I was excited with what I accomplished there. And I, left, I felt I left the organization in a place they hadn't been before, and they were in a great position to, to move forward and succeed. Kurt, you do your top five quarterbacks each week on total access, but I want to ask you what quarterback frustrates you the most when you turn on the tape each week? <laughs> Greg's skewing <laughs> negative, and I like it. Me. Yeah, Kurt, Kurt's That's always so positive. Everyone looks great. Let's get a little negative. <laughs> That's a, a good question. Um, you know, I mean, there's unfortunately there's a lot of them um, that, you know, play good, and then they have their moments. I mean, like a guy like Geno Smith, I'll just throw out a guy, oh, is that he's a guy that over the last two years I've seen so many good things from him. You know, so many things that take me to the point where I go, man, this guy, you know, he's got the ability to make the big plays. You know, when it gets to be like third and long, and he's got, you know, the moxie to, to make those kind of plays. But then all of a sudden he, he makes kind of a knucklehead play where you're going, what are you doing? Why are you trying to, to force that? And so, you know, it's things like that that frustrate me. Tony Romo is another guy that I think is a really, really good quarterback. But then he just has these moments where you're just like, Tony, you, you gotta, you, you can't do that like like he did in that uh, first San Francisco game. That you know he's just too good of a quarterback, and you have those moments. But you know the hard part is is that everybody has those moments. I mean, you know, outside of just a few guys, um, you know, a lot of quarterbacks in this league because it's hard to play consistent at that position. Uh, but I think you just want to avoid that. A really bad player, the play where you you know throwing into double and triple coverage in the end zone when you know you're you're setting your team up for a chance to win, and so um, you know again a lot of guys will frustrate you, uh, but the great ones are the ones that stay more consistent throughout a 16 game schedule than the others. Hey Kurt, we just put up our list of the 10 strongest arms, and the usual suspects are there with Flacco, Stafford, and Cutler. Is there one or two guys? that aren't commonly seen as having cannons that you kind of say, this guy's got a stronger arm than you would think? Um, wow. I mean, there's a lot of guys that have. I mean, I, I'm assuming Aaron Rodgers is on that list somewhere because yep. he's, got, he's got a rocket. Um, you know, like you said, Matthew Stafford, Joe Flacco, he's come out to my charity event a couple times. We play on a 50-yard field. Uh, when we play at my charity event, and the dude flips his wrist and the ball goes 65 yards without him even thinking about it. I mean, it's it's crazy. But, I mean, there are so many guys that are extremely talented from an arm standpoint, you know, and I think the guys you mentioned are the guys that uh, that stand out to me. Um, you know, Andrew Luck's a guy that I think has a, a really strong arm that we don't give him credit for, that coming out he had the ability to kind of throw some more touch passes. So I wasn't sure if he had – that kind of arm, the more I watch him, the more I realize, you know, how talented his arm is when I don't think a lot of people look at him that way. You know, you mentioned Geno Smith a few minutes ago. What is your take on, you know, compared to where you started your career, maybe even 10, 15 years before that, that today's quarterbacks, they get thrown into the fire right away and if they don't succeed, New York talk radio explodes, everyone's going crazy, but where's the patience with some of these young passers? You know, it's tough. And, and, you know, the problem is is that no longer, you know, and we talk about quarterbacks, but no longer is anybody really given the time to develop. You know, back in the day it was, hey, we're bringing a young guy and we're going to let him sit for a couple years and, and not only learn how to play the game on the field, but also learn how to handle themselves off the field because I think that's a big part of, you know, showing up and having the confidence to play week in and week out. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, coaches don't get that time anymore. Coaches have to win right now. And so, you know, you're seeing these guys that are a little more of a project. I mean, I, I think of Ryan Tannehill. You know, here's a guy that only played a couple years at the quarterback position in college. And, you know, you, you hear some rumblings last week that, hey, maybe we we're going to make a switch at quarterback. Well, you knew he was going to be a project anyways. You knew guys like Tim Tebow were going to be a project. But it's just so hard in this day and age because, you see the parity. You see teams that aren't good one year that can come back and have success the next year. And you see coaches who, if they don't win within two or three years, 
they're out looking for a job. And so you just don't have the patience anymore because very few organizations are willing to, you know, to put up with losing or average seasons year in and year out. Kurt, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your first and goal uh, campaign? Yeah, um, you know, first and goal campaign is really about encouraging people to take care of their heart health, to take control of uh, of their heart health. For me, I was diagnosed with high cholesterol in the middle of my NFL career. Uh, you know, I couldn't believe it because I was in great shape and uh, feeling like I was doing everything that I thought I was supposed to do, eating well and exercising. Um, so I kind of tried to take care of it on my own. Like, oh, I'm going to change up my exercise routine, work out a little bit more, change my diet, you know, and I'll be good. Year after year, I came back and uh, cholesterol stayed high, cholesterol stayed high. Finally sat down with my doctor towards the end of my career and said, Doc, you know, what's the deal here? You know, I always thought cholesterol was about diet and exercise. I've done all of that, and I'm still in the same spot I was a few years ago. You know, so that's what our campaign is all about. It's pushing anybody and everybody, regardless of how you feel or look, to get things checked out and make sure your heart's in the condition you want it to be in. All right, very good. That's first and goal. HeartHealth.com. Kurt Warner, thank you very much, and we're glad we could share this career highlight with you being on the Around the NFL podcast. (laughs) Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kurt. All right, gentlemen, one thing that came up in our conversation with the great Kurt Warner, a colleague of of ours, as was alluded to in the interview. Um, I think that was news to him that we were colleagues. (laughs) Breaking (laughs) news. I think you're right. Anyway, Wes, every week does his – uh, positional power rankings, and this week he's doing a top 10 on the strongest arms, which is very interesting. Wes, you do this every week? There's some type of power rankings. It's exciting. We used to do it strictly on positions like top 10 wide receivers, top 10 cornerbacks. Mm. Got a little tedious and boring, so now we try to do throw in some attributes. Last week was top 10 red zone threats. This week, top 10 strongest arms. Uh, next week, top 10 readers. Like oh, the ability I think to read and we can rattle that off. <laughs> Cognitively understand what I already reading. have a list in mind. Okay, good. Reading <laughs> quarterbacks, no, reading like novels and oh. like Jack Kerouac. Just read, and can you take that from the book? Ryan Tannehill definitely Inventive. not on that list. <laughs> <laughs> um, just from the Hard Knocks, I think that's he's definitely yeah, not his thing. Anyway, gotten past children's so books. The top arms from Wes. I'll do one through ten. Matthew Stafford, Jay Cutler, and Joe Flacco, one, two, three. No surprise there. Then Aaron Rodgers, Colin Kaepernick, Cam Newton, Big Ben, hmm. Andrew Luck, RG3, and Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles at number 10. So, Wes, tell us how you arrived at this. Well, I think the first three is probably a consensus around the NFL. You could throw Rodgers in there. Make I know Rodgers Greg, number one. You could, absolutely. You I could. Know. But I think those four, I guess I would say, Probably indisputable. Beyond mm. that, I think Kaepernick and Newton obviously have strong arms. Kaepernick used to be a pitcher. Big Ben, Luck, kind of similar. And I think Bortles is in the same category as those guys. I'd throw Griffin ahead of Luck and Ben. I mean, he's not playing well right now, but Griffin's the man. And Bortles, it's weird because coming out of college, he was supposedly didn't have a big arm. And yet when you watch him, I totally agree with you. He's, he's got, got a cannon. A cannon. Yeah, Derek Carr was rated by a lot of people as having the strongest arm in the draft. I thought it was interesting that Daniel Jeremiah has written that Bortles actually has improved velocity already just from working with NFL coaches. He gets his lower body involved more now, and you can see that. He was led most categories in the preseason for most throws down the field. Where is Colt McCoy on this list, Wes? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Your son's namesake. Uh, He's buried how, about do some, how about do some homework and watch some film? <laughs> do yeah. your work. He would be there for backyard quarterback. How about a yeah. little cause consternation is fun and some heat between scientists. Downstairs, a little <laughs> pop, a little heat between Wes and Greg about Mr. Tom Brady, oh, who yeah. is fourth on the honorable mention list here. Not even like the top of the honorable mention list behind the likes of Derek Carr. Jake Locker. Bye, Derek Carr. Give me a break. Jake Locker. What have you seen out of Derek Sam Carr? Sam Bradford, who has a knee only in theory at this point. <laughs> How did Tom Brady fall all the way down? Derek Carr. Sam Bradford hasn't actually thrown a pass in the NFL in like four years. <laughs> I haven't seen anything out of Derek Carr. Tom, well, that's funny because Tom Brady hasn't thrown a pass over eight yards in four years. Oofa. He, he, I, you're right that he hasn't been an effective vertical passer for half a season or so. But when he reaches back and 
throws those 25-yard deep outs or, or deep throws. I mean, he's got a big arm. I would put him ahead of Luck. I would put him in the top. By the There's way, no way I would put him ahead of Luck. Oh, give me a break. No Wesling clearly playing to the boss on some level because I have an earlier draft that he sent us over email. Tom Brady not on the honorable mentions Whoa. list. So wow. he's leading the game. Oh, wow. Well, here's a little to peek behind. Right, here's a little peek behind the, the curtain. I told Greg that I was going to throw Tom Brady on, and I emailed our editor's desk, throw Tom Brady on the end of honorable mention. Can I see that list? And Greg yeah. said, "Don't do me any favors." Well, yes. <laughs> hey, look, I don't draft. Need, I don't need any sympathy. West, hey, when we can when we can get NFL legends like Derek Carr, Jake Locker, and Sam Bradford, hey, there's no. no there's this is no, purely on arm strength. This is how you know. Wes is trolling his boss. That Tom Brady was not on the original draft, but Tom Savage, who's not even a real person, is. He's wow. on the list of backups with strong arms. They yeah. did say Savage. Your, your argument falls apart when you have Derek Carr there because you have seen no proof that that's true. How, you haven't seen. Where are the throws in the last three weeks? The Seahawks like, game wow. in the preseason. Carr. Okay, come on. The Seahawks game in the preseason. Big arm. I, don't, I usually don't go. like when the scientists some 30-yard lollipops. Mark. But yeah. this is a, this is good rumbling. I like well, yeah, it's, it's always because you're sitting in the middle, physically stirring the pot. Uh, it's, it's always fun. a little uncomfortable for you and I. Yes, but We've probably good it. for the discussion. So continue, and for the audience at home. All right, gentlemen. Okay, let's let's move on. No bad blood between the group. Uh, that's it for today's edition of the Around the NFL podcast. You don't want to go out with tension because here's the thing that people might not understand about what we do after we we're up here. Uh, yelling at each other for 45 minutes to an hour straight. Then we go back downstairs and sit all together in a cube and continue to be around each other. So we've got to keep it, you know. Well, we really, we bunker down and make fun of the rest of the people in the newsroom. That's why it's called around the NFL. We're always around each other. Nailed it. <laughs> on that note, let's get out on that note. Please. That hits a home run. Uh, signing off, this is Dan Hansis for The Sizzler, The Mailman, The Boss, and Tay Date behind the glass until Thursday night. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.